This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or be on blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks, welcome to episode number 70 of the How You Going Mate podcast. Adam's my name, uh, host, creator, producer of the podcast. I do everything, as I say every week. Uh, a big thank you to everyone that listened to last week's podcast, Men's Work with Steve. Uh, it was a really interesting chat, and I'm really glad that we got to have a bit of a chat. That got some great feedback. Um, so uh, thank you to Steve, and thank you to everyone that listened. And this week, uh, we're having a chat with uh, another man that I met via the men's table, uh, which is a, a fellow named Jeff Anderson. And I sort of, um, Jeff and I, uh, over the next couple of weeks, I suppose you'll see uh, some videos coming out from the men's table uh, in regards to some men talking about you know who they are and, and why they attend the tables and, and what they get out of being a part of the men's table. And Jeff Anderson was is a member of the table, uh, but he's also the person that did the videos, produced the videos. And uh, the the one that I've seen so far is really fantastic, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with this rough head that I have. Uh, but um, whilst we were sort of having a bit of a chat when we met, we were talking about the fact that Jeff um, has uh, two children that uh, live with mental health uh, issues, as you'll hear in our chat, uh, a son and a daughter um, who have uh, ADHD, and uh, anxiety and borderline personality disorder. And so um, really interesting uh, perspective because we have never spoken to uh, a person who is a parent or a carer of somebody with a, a mental health condition. And when we talk about things like lived experience, we definitely include being a parent or a carer of somebody as as having a lived experience of a mental health condition. You, you, you haven't necessarily experienced the mental health condition yourself, but you've certainly supported someone. And, and as you're here in the chat, it, you know, times where it becomes quite intense and, and quite full on. Um, I really loved having this chat as a, as a parent myself. Um, I thought it was really interesting to hear him talk about uh, his, you know, the experiences of his kids uh, his interactions and, and the great support that he sounds like he gets from his family. And there's a, a, a part where I talk about this, but the great insight and maturity, particularly from his son, in and around his um, his ADHD and how he helps to support his dad through this. So it's a really interesting chat. I, I, I'm really happy that I got to, to kind of connect with Jeff and got to talk to him. And uh, I hope you guys really enjoy it as well. Uh, having said all of that, um, a big thank you to our regular supporters and listeners, the people who listen every single week, someone that's listening in Annadale all the time. Um, we've got people, obviously, in the US, in, in France, that are listening on a regular basis. Thank you so much to you guys for listening. We love the fact that you're out there and you're supporting us so much. Uh, once again, folks, if you've 
sat and listened and thought, man, I'd love to have a chat with Adam about what's going on and what, what I've dealt with, how I've managed my mental health over the years. I'd love to have a chat with you, so please get in contact. Um, if there's anything particularly you'd love to hear us talk about on the episodes, have, send me a message and, and let me know, and I'm more than happy to try and um, track somebody down that knows about that so, sort of thing. And, of course, any I love to hear your reviews. I love to hear your feedback. I've got some great feedback this week from somebody who has been on a previous episode. I won't really give the details away, but their father rang them after listening to the episode and obviously had known that they'd gone through some stuff with their mental health and mental health condition, but rang up and was in tears because they didn't realize how serious it was and they were sort of apologizing for not supporting them more through that. And, um, and it was like, Dad, you didn't know about all of that stuff. It's okay. Like, you were enough of a support. But it, it's that's one of the really interesting things for us as well, uh, that we, um, you know, people tell their stories and other people hear them and, and, and it happens time and time again where they're quite shocked at how they're, you know, what the things that they didn't know or not knowing that it went on or not under, fully understanding what the person was trying to manage. So it's really cool to get that kind of feedback and, and hopefully what that does is opens a dialogue between the two people about mental health and, and overall hopefully it's a really positive experience and allows them to kind of have a conversation about mental health and well-being and, and recovery and support and, and just being there for somebody when they need them to. So with all of that being said, uh, let's have a listen to this week's episode. It's Jeff Anderson. It's really fascinating. As I said at the top, he's a parent of a young, um, of, of two adult, nearly adult children, um, two, two children in there, two grown children, and, uh, and, and definitely a man who has a lot of experience in and around uh, managing and supporting people with the lived experience and, and living an experience of mental health himself. So without further ado, let's ask, ask Jeff the question. Jeff, how you going, mate? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going well, Adam. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very well. I, I rode my bike into work today, so um, I've been meaning to do that for a while. So it's a, a little win at the start of the day, doing a little bit of exercise. It's only yeah. 15 minutes, so it wasn't very far, but no. it was a nice little thing to start the day off on a beautiful morning like this. As our mutual friend Mr Hughes says, action cures anxiety. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah no, it's a nice... Uh, yeah, it just gives you a little... Um, a little spring in your step to start the day when you feel like you've you've already done something simple, but uh, yeah, no, it's nice. It's interesting. I've never been much of a morning exercise person. A couple of years ago, I sort of started doing walks in the morning, and um, the change just in my yeah how I approached my day was remarkable. Seeing the sunrise and seeing things first thing in the morning, and knowing you're up before everyone else is, and and doing all those sorts of things, it was just really lovely. And <laughs> and I stopped yeah. doing it because of the bushfires. The bushfires happened, and I couldn't go walking in the morning because it was just too yuck. Well, my uh, morning routine is typically um, get up, have a shower, get dressed, uh, have my wheat bix, then uh, I give my dog wheat bix, yep. and then um, my dog drags me out the door for a walk. Right. And um, it's just a lovely, lovely way to start the day. Just going for a walk with him. He's, uh, you know. Dogs are, are wonderful, uh, wonderful creatures because they're just so joyful and and so unconditionally loving and just um, yeah, just such, such happy little creatures to be around. You know, it's, yeah, it's nice. My little girl sitting at my feet right at the moment. 
All right. I, sometimes I bring Jackson to work, but he's uh, he wouldn't have fitted on my bike today. So he's, <laughs> he's he's at home, and my wife will be taking him for a walk, or she would have taken him for a walk by now, I'm sure. We, we had a great time up the coast um, over those um, couple of weeks because we had the whole we had the dogs, but we also had our whole family together. We had my mum's ninetieth birthday celebration, so we had we had a gathering of our clan. So we had um, my six siblings who are from Perth and New York and Brisbane. I've got two up there now, yep. one in Melbourne and my other sister in Sydney. Um, so we all came together, and then the grandkids. So. My kids and all their cousins, not all of them. There's 14 cousins in total. I think we had 11 of them together. So one from uh, Montreal um, and one's from Brisbane and Melbourne and Sydney. The ones from Perth stayed over there because they're, they're older and, and they've got kids themselves now, so they didn't want to get out and get locked out because um, they're working. But my brother and his wife came across from Perth. But it was yeah, it was great having um, having the whole clan together. It's, it, you know, we, we try to get together at certain occasions when we can, and celebrating Mum's ninetieth was a nice nice moment. But my um, my daughter said to me, um, seeing all the you know, she was staying with us at our place at, at Umina while the others were over at Pretty Beach, and um, she was saying Max and I have worked out. So her brother and, and herself have worked out that we're the problem children, and I was like. <laughs> And I was thinking, well, I never said it, but I kind of know what you mean because <laughs> they've um, they've had uh, they've, they've they've like Max has got ADHD and Cassie's got um, OCD and um, borderline personality disorder. Yep. So um, they have had challenges, and um, you know they're often yeah just causing a few little uh, disruptions along the way, but. Um, it's just it's just what it is, but it's been. Um, but it was it was nice of her to have that self awareness to go. Oh yeah, actually we <laughs> we do provide a few extra challenges than other people do. I think I, I think I'd probably say to Cassie though. I reckon if you scratch the surface of the other twelve cousins, it's it's probably you know you're not the biggest problem, <laughs> or there's definitely oh, look, people on par. There's all there's always problems. There's always issues for everybody, and everybody's dealing with their own stuff. It's hard. You know, it's easy to. Um, to judge from the outside, but yeah, you don't know what other people are going through, do you? It's um, one of my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from a, a TV show called "My Mad Fat Teenage Diary," and it's a, a woman who now lives in Hobart who wrote a diary of her teenage years and growing up with a mental health issue, and um, and they sort of dramatized it into a into a. It's a British show, but there's a quote in there where she go where he goes, he, he, her boyfriend says, "Look at all these people." Everybody's crazy. Just most of them don't realise it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, "That's that's true. <laughs> that's true." Yes, we all have our moments, and and it's funny, isn't it? You look at somebody, you think, "Wow, that person's really got their, you know, they got their shit together. They really got their, and you know, you don't know what they're dealing with and what's going on for them." Um, I, I was reading about, and and you know, this is in the public arena. I was reading about Andrew O'Keefe this morning. You know, here's yeah. a guy who's a TV host. He's, you know, successful and yeah. presumably quite well off and all of those sorts of things. Very intelligent man. And um, he's on his third domestic charge, domestic violence charge in 12 months. You know, mental health, significant mental health and drug issues. So, yeah. you know, you look at these people and you go, you really, you, you should have it figured out. <laughs> and you don't. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, um, that's tragic for everybody involved. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, and, yeah, it's everybody has their own stuff, yeah. but I've been um, I've been um, uh, yeah dealing as a as a parent with kids with with their stuff. So yeah. 
Um, I, I guess I consider myself fairly, um, <laughs> in all things considered, fairly well um, okay. Um, and I've, I've have a wonderful family with a lot of support around me, so I've always been able to lean on them if I've had any problems. But you know, I've been dealing as a parent, seeing my kids go through stuff, and and having to learn a lot about um, what it's like to be a parent, coping with kids who have got conditions that they're dealing with. And my kids have been great teachers for me along the way. Um, uh, you know, my, my son when he first was starting school, I said to his his mother, we'd divorced was yeah we divorced by then so he's about five he we separated when he was about two and a half and my daughter was four and um i said to her look um i think max needs to be reined in a bit i think he's you know the way he's going he's going to be in front of the principal every week she says no no he's fine he's fine i said no really anyway end of week one principal rings up uh jeff i need to have a little bit of a chat to you about max <laughs> it's like oh, there you go so he apparently got sent to the principal's office and he was like oh hi yeah you know he, he wasn't phased about being here apparently in preschool he was like going to the you know the manager's office there quite a bit he goes oh yeah that's no, fine that's what i do <laughs> so there was just his way he went so they you know i think in the early days they wanted to diagnose him as adhd and we were like no no, no, he's just he's just a vibrant personality. Is you know we don't want to label him and we don't want to you know medicate him and take that spark of you know this brilliant brightness that he has. Yeah. And then um, he was in year six, and this, this very good teacher pulled us aside and said, "Listen, my son got diagnosed in year nine with ADHD, and he'd had terrible time for many years leading up to that. And I'm not saying this is the situation with your son, but you might want to look into it. And um, you know the medication can." make a big difference and so we we finally thought yeah okay let's let's look at this because he'd been struggling for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, we took him to a psychiatrist she actually was a very bad psychiatrist but she did give him the medication yeah and um she uh and and once he started taking it was i think it was ritalin at first he turned to us and he said why didn't you give me this sooner this is wow. like amazing you know this is i can now focus in class i'm not there getting totally distracted and annoying everybody, bothering everybody, I can actually get on and do the work. Yeah. Um, but this psychiatrist was um, said to him, well, look, just don't tell anybody you're taking any medication. Yeah. And and I said, well, wait, how about he just says to people he has trouble focusing and this medication helps him? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, well, you could do that. And I thought, no wonder there's a stigma about mental health when you've got psychiatrists telling people don't, don't tell anyone you you know you're actually dealing with stuff yeah, or you're yeah. actually you know addressing issues and it's like wow so we we eventually moved him on to another pediatrician who's just been brilliant this this guy who just gets it and like we're saying we're saying to this psychiatrist he's, he he changed to concert or a different um, medication at one point and it, he was having a bad reaction to it and we're saying look this is not good it's it's not it's making him very anxious and it's not okay mm-hmm. she goes no no it's the same as the ritalin I, we're saying no no look I'm telling you. He's, he's really reacting badly. She goes, no, it's the same. Hmm. And we, go, we take him to this other pediatrician. He goes, yeah, I've heard that from other people, that that, that does react that way to people. Let's put him on something else. So um, he was great. And, yeah. yeah, but this other psychiatrist. So it's, you know, I think it's, it, that was, to me, was a bit of a um, an insight into, uh, you know, you've getting the right, the right clinician along the way is really helpful and really important as well. So it's, it can be a bit hit and miss, but yeah, you've got to keep trying, I think, until you find the right one. Um, but yeah, he's had, um, he's had interesting times and he's, you know, it's, it's a bit challenging because the part of the, the problem for him is he talks about um, 
and, and like he's been educating me very much over the last couple of years because I've been like getting frustrated saying, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? You're just being lazy. And he says, you, th- you think this is lazy? And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking back to when I was a teenager. I'm thinking, yeah, it's lazy when you <laughs> do this stuff. <laughs> and he goes, no, Dad, you need to understand. On a scale of one to ten, I have not I have a an ability to do stuff which is either a zero or a 15. <laughs> so I'm either absolutely not compelled at all or I'm hyper-focused and it's like, just get out of my way, I'm doing this. <laughs> so he'll he'll go through these stages of getting really interested in something and that's what it is. Um but yeah, but he's a smart kid. You know, he'll he'll sit at the dinner table and talk about all sorts of amazing stuff. And it's like, how do you know this? He goes, oh, YouTube, <laughs> and he, he just soaks it up. And that's his preferred way of learning. It's like, yeah. great if that if that works for you. But unfortunately, you've got this school box where you've got to you know learn a particular way and and you know perform a particular way. Mm. Um, so you know that's a challenge for him, and he's 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 trying to do what he can with that. Um, he's trying to learn, you know, okay, so I work when I'm medicated, that's okay, so therefore I've got to plan my day so that I, you know, have my breakfast and I have my medication because it suppresses appetite and then I can get on and do what I need to do and then that wears off by the afternoon so I better make sure I've got everything I need to be done, you know, before, you know, four o'clock or something because after that it it starts to wane. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, so there's challenges. He's doing his HSC this year, so... um, We'll see how that goes. But, you know, I figure it's, um, you know, I, I didn't thrive at school. I, I've, you know, found myself after school. So I'm not really, you know, I, I figure, look, if he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not going to shine at school. That's okay. Hopefully he'll find himself, find his, you know, his feet afterwards and and, and do what he needs to do then. But, yeah, it's uh, it's challenging. I've got to, I always tell a story, always tell a story of a, a mate of mine who was terrible in school. Um, ter- academically just terrible but musically this guy was brilliant he could play at, at 15 16 he could play half a dozen instruments he could play music by ear he could sit there and I used to watch him sit there listening to the radio figuring out figuring out a song by the end of the song he'd have the song figured out and he'd be playing the song just just a s- sensational and um, he's in the process of completing his PhD in music so he's going to be wow. he's going to have a doctorate um, yeah. you know, this this is a guy that could. I, I remember one exam got like eight out of ten on a test, um, and and still to this day, academically, is not brilliant. I mean, he's an, an intelligent enough man; he can have conversations, but um, he just is. You know, he's he's ta- his talent stream laid in a certain area, and you know, school partly met that because he did music at school, but that was only you know ten fifteen percent of the school life. The rest of it just didn't didn't suit him didn't meet his needs um he wasn't naughty he didn't get in trouble any of that sort of stuff he was a good kid but he just you know he just um wasn't interested in the other part of the school life and um yes i mean school is uh a 200 year old or 250 year old concept Mm. that was designed to put people into factories it was give them you know consistent um compliance so that they could then go and just repeat you know a, a job a task yep. so it's it's you know they're trying to evolve it but it's it's still you know way behind you, when you look at it you know you can leave school i i you know you could go to university if you want and that's great but you could also just jump online and pick up whatever you want to learn mm. anywhere you know there's so many ways to just soak up knowledge yeah. and that's what max does you know if he's interested in something he'll just research it himself find it and and become totally immersed in it and know all this stuff. You know, sometimes it's just games and whatever, but, yeah, you know, yeah. hopefully it'll be something a bit more useful. I'm, I'm, but, yeah, I mean, there's, 
there's so many opportunities out, you know, apart from school. I'm thinking of the time our younger daughter, they um, they had an ad on um, for a news story on the famous artist that designed the Chuppa Chups logo. And we were all sitting here. My daughter was about four or five at the time. And she goes, oh, yeah, that was Salvador Dali. And I looked at her and I said, Salvador Dali designed the Chuppa Chups logo? And, and she goes, yeah. And we were waiting for this story to come on the news to tell us this, but we Googled it, and sure enough, Salvador Dali designed the Chuppa Chups logo. Um, <laughs> and I went, how did you know that? She went, oh, I saw it on TV. <laughs> and she'd seen it a day before or two days before and just absorbed it. And so, so She had no idea who Salvador Dali was. She had no idea of his importance in the artist in the art world, but wow. she knew that Salvador Dali had, had <laughs> designed the Chuppa Chups, and I didn't know that. But yeah, no, Salvador, I didn't. Salvador Dali was apparently a, um, a working graphic artist as well, and so um, chopper means, I think it means suck. So literally, chopper chops means suck suck. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> um, Good yeah. Name for a he doesn't. So the logo you see on the chopper chops wrapper it, to this day is designed by Salvador Dali. So every time you pick up a chopper chop, you are picking up a piece of art from one of the greatest surrealist artists of all time, <laughs> arguably the go. greatest. Yeah, but yeah, mate, just just mate, absorb that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's, it, you know, and I'm I'm enjoying. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate because my son is uh, very, uh, very open and very prepared to just communicate and, and talk about stuff and and just you know take the time to make me understand stuff because I think um, it's really easy to get frustrated and you know annoyed and think you're not doing it. and he's he's taking the time to say, Dad. This is what's going on. You need to understand. And he sends me videos to look at and other links to read and stuff so that I can get a better understanding. And I follow some um, ADHD groups on Facebook and stuff. So I, I'm seeing all these memes of people who are explaining what it's like to have it. So it's, it's helpful to sort of just understand, okay, this is, this is a challenge that he has to deal with every day. Yeah. And what in, I mean, just I'm sitting here thinking what incredible insight from him. You know, oh, yeah. Just, just how – and, and – it almost, in a way, almost, it's not actually supposed to be this way. Like, mate, you're not supposed to guide me through this. <laughs> I'm supposed to guide you through this. I'm supposed to help you. So what an incredible, like, maturity and, and uh, as I said, insight from him to be able to do he, that for you. He's always he's always been very self-aware. Although I did, I maybe he gets that from me. I don't know. I, I remember when I was little, mum used to, I used to, you know, experiment with things. I used to occasionally break some things. Yeah. And then, but it went through this stage where mum would introduce me to people and say, oh, this is Jeffrey. He breaks things. And it's like, really? <laughs> and it's like, and I was little, so I thought, okay, I've got, to, I've got to stop breaking things. I get it. So I stopped breaking things. But she still introduced me as, this is Jeffrey. He breaks things. And I thought, okay, I, I haven't broken something for a year, but you're still pigeonholed me like that. And I said, okay, it's no matter what I tell you, you're still going to have me pigeonholed like that. So then I started fixing things. Yep. So I thought, okay, what do I, so I actually, changed the whole narrative. So when she went to, she thought, no, actually, Jeffrey isn't the one who breaks things. He's the one who fixes things. So mm. I had to, I, so I guess I had the awareness at that young age, you know, pre, you know, primary school to sort of think, okay, I've got to change the narrative here. Um, but yeah, you know, Max, is, Max has always been very, very self-aware, uh, which is great, you know. So it's, um, you know, and he's, you know, he's had he's had challenges with his sister. His sister's been um, gone through some difficult times, and she's yeah. taken a lot of stuff out on him. But he's had the self awareness to know this is her stuff. This is not about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really really helpful because um, 
you know, she, yeah. Uh, so yeah, her, her journey's been a, a challenging one. She, um, she had a bit of, we, she had a bit of anxiety in, in her junior years. You know, she didn't want to go to sleep unless I was awake. So I couldn't go to bed until she'd gone to sleep. And it was like, yeah, this is getting hard. I just, actually just want to go to bed. Um, so we had to start getting counselling for her. And then she's she's seen a dozen different psychologists over the years and different stages. Mm. Um, in 2020, she did her HSC and that was um, that was a hell year. She was really having difficult times with friendships. She went through school just constantly. Um, she was She's great at making friends, mm-hmm. but then she, she just implodes and it would just become really messy and then she'd end up burning these friendships all the time. So she was just bouncing from one group to another to another. Um, and then she was boarding uh, while she was doing her HSC, which was kind of good because there was layers of support there. Uh, but towards the end, she ended up going back to her mum's house. Uh, and then we actually got her diagnosed during year 12 as as having um, OCD and borderline personality disorder. Right. So... Um, that was, you know, it was good to have some uh, diagnosis. Um, so she was able to get some medication for OCD, which helped calm her down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she was seeing psychiatrists for that and psychologists. And um, But, yeah, that was, yeah, that, that's, that's been very, very challenging as well, just coming to terms with what that is. And, and there's, you know, it's, as a parent, you're dealing with the issues of like, well, where do I provide compassion and support and where do I set boundaries for just totally inappropriate behaviour? Yeah. Because yeah. there's some stuff which is just like, no, you can't treat people like that. You can't talk to people like that. You can't behave like that. Mm. Um, and at the same time, she's having a complete emotional breakdown and you're like, you know, how do we – and, and you know, at what point are you um, supporting them and at what point are you enabling them? Um, so there's a whole lot of, um, yeah, challenges with that, just getting the right – the right balance. Um, and and she's did, been, did you work that balance out? <laughs> oh, mate, it's, uh, it's, it's, hasn't, it's still going, still going. Um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, she's, she's certainly matured and, and, you know, these Christmas holidays, the family were saying, wow, this because the year before there was police being called, there was all sorts of dramas happening during the Christmas holidays. Mm. Um, this year the family was saying, wow, you know, Cassie is so much better. It's, it's great to see her like this. She's you know, just so much easier to be around and, and the, the whole tension has, has dropped, which is great. Um, she's moved out. She, so she's been working. She's been – and she got into uni. So she had a hell year during her HSC. She had, you know, breakdowns and all sorts of dramas. Yeah. But she managed, she managed to finish her HSC and she managed to get into uni, which is wow. great. Um, so, you know, that was all she wanted to do. So she managed to, to get that. And then um, she – uh, and she was working um, as uh, she got a um, her uh, bar certificate. What do you call it? The um, RSA, RSA, and RCG. Yep. Um, and so she's been working uh, in the pubs and making good money from that. Yeah. So she's had a pretty tough time with her mum. She and her mum have often, for years, been banging heads. Um, and she had been living with her mum for the last couple of years. Anyway, so she's moved out onto her own, which is a big, you know, 19-year-old. It's a big, yeah. big deal. Um, but she's, yeah, she's doing well. She's, you know, getting by. I mean, we're giving her a bit of help and support along the way. But um, she's, I think, having her own space has been really helpful for her for her OCD because she's constantly worried about people contaminating her stuff. Mm-hmm. 
So, and she's just started with a new um, psychologist who is great. She's just really connected with her. Mm-hmm. So hopefully she'll persevere with her. And um, now that she's a bit more mature and a bit more settled in, hoping that uh, things will, um, yeah, she might get some good help and, you know, steer in the right direction. But, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, but it's been. I had a mate who was saying he'd, he'd had troubles with his teenage daughter, and she and he said, you know, when they get to nineteen, they come back. And I'm like, really, because I can't see that. But yeah, she's nineteen, and now she's ringing me up, asking me for advice, and she's, you know, open for help rather than, um, you know, before if you tried to say, look, I think you should do this. Don't talk to me. Don't tell me what to do. Okay, now it's like, you know, Dad, how do I how do I deal with this? What do I do with that? And it's, so that's really lovely. It's actually. You know, it's like, oh wow, this is kind of, you know, we're we're heading the right direction now. We feel like we're getting back on the track. So, um, well, I've got a yeah. se- I've got a seventeen year old, so I've only got two more years to go. That's that's heartening. To hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was sort of you know, in different stages, I've been told different things. I just, oh, I'll just hold on to that till that that happens, and it's, uh, yeah, it's it's got there. But only yeah, two it's, more years. <laughs> but it's it's challenging. But it's um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that that. You know, yeah, just trying to understand all these different conditions. And, you know, it's, you know, I had to get it to the psychologist to actually get her to agree to come to my wedding with my wife a few years ago. That was, that was hard work. And then when she was there, she had a great time, you know, yeah. she was, but, but it was like, was no, it, was it anxiety come. on her behalf? She didn't want to do it? Or no, was... no, it was more being, you know, belligerent about stuff, just, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like, come on, you, you need to be there. So anyway, it's, um, yeah, it's nice to see, um, you know, coming through the end. But, you know, there have been many people that have helped her along the way. And it was lovely actually up the coast over the holidays just seeing my my siblings and, and cousins, mainly my siblings, reaching out to her and really giving her a lot of support and, you know, a lot of um, a lot of time to just talk and, and um, be heard, which is, which is really, you know, really nice when you see that sort of village-raising kind of community mm. around a child. It's, it's nice to see. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> you know, going back to that early comment where she was sort of like, Dad, we're the problem children, but, you know, perhaps not being treated that way by the family, the family actually saying, no, we don't see you that way. We, we, we want to hear your story. We want to listen to what you've got to say. We want to understand what you're going through. You know, tell us what's happening. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they wanted to support her. They, they, they you know, they, they're aware of what her journey's been. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, it's 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 been good. It's it's nice to see it sort of. Well, you know, it's, it's one step at a time. But yeah. And what were okay. the early signs for her that you know you sort of talked about Max, you know, preschool and, and kindergarten? <laughs> what were the early signs for her for you as a parent? You're sort of sitting going, something's going on here. Something something's. Um, well, look, one, one of the earlier ones was that not being able to sleep at night. So she was yeah. anxious that somebody was going to break into the house and come up the stairs. Right. And so she needed to have, you know, me awake while she went to – once she was asleep, she was fine with that. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, there was, you know, uh, I, I saw it as spoiled behaviour. It's like, you know, I don't want to sleep in this bed. And I said, well, you're welcome to go out the front of the house and sleep outside because mm. there are people who haven't got a house, they haven't got a room, they haven't mm. got a bed. You've got this, you know, you have everything you possibly want here. So if that's not good enough for you. And um, so, yeah, there was that kind of, which which I think was a, a precursor to the borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, 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 the crux of the borderline personality disorder is this fear of being abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so they constantly need to be reassured that, no, no, you're loved, you're wanted, you know, we're not going to abandon you. So that's that's at the back of it all the time. And and the, the other side of that coin is they then behave in a way that you're going to abandon me, aren't you? And so they're constantly pushing people away, which is like, you know, she's great at making friends with people, but I think then what happens is um, she then maybe gets worried that oh they're gonna they're not gonna be my friend in the future and so she tests the water and pushes them away mm. and they either put up with it or they they just go this is too hard and and leave. So mm. it's self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um sadly. Uh so yeah, the more she can um recognize that. But there's there's treatment that they have for uh, borderline personality Order, a disorder called uh, dialectical behavioural therapy mm-hmm. where they actually um, take people through um, a whole lot of therapy which is mindfulness and behavioural stuff and other stuff and that then um, I guess just makes you aware of what you're doing. I'm, I'm guessing I haven't. Um, she started it but uh, she hasn't completed the process so mm. hopefully um, this therapist she's starting seeing specialises in that as well so she might be able to help her along, along that path. Um, part of it is group work as well. So you're sitting with other people who are going through the same stuff. They can share their stories. So you realise you're not the only person going through this. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that apparently is very helpful for them as well. And has that been a thing for her growing up as she felt like, I'm, I'm alone, I don't, no one else understands this, no one gets this? Oh, I think that's part of the condition, mm. um, probably. I mean, look, I'm not an expert in any of this, really. Yeah. Um, I'm just... I'm just giving a, a parent's perspective of, of yeah. what we've had to deal with, um, you know, trying to find the right therapist, trying to, you know, the psychiatrist we had last year was was brilliant. She was, um, or the year, mainly the year before, we saw her a bit last year, but during year 12, she was just, you know, somebody who let her know she was being heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. We went to another psychiatrist who just talked the whole time. It's like, mate, we need to be heard. And, and I had, he... he brought me and my ex-wife in, I think, for a, a session one time, and I just said to him, I said, look, the problem is she doesn't feel she's being heard because you're talking the whole time during the session. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, the reason I'm doing that, and I was like, yeah, you're not getting it. You, you may have all the answers. You may know everything, but, you know, like in the men's table, we mm. want that time and space to actually just be heard. Mm. We want to know that people have heard us and that they, um, you know, we've we've had our chance to 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 speak um and if you've got a therapist who just wants to tell you how they know all the answers and they've got everything right it's like yeah well that may be true but it still yeah. doesn't necessarily work if the person doesn't feel like you've really taken the time to understand their their situation so this this psychiatrist we had last year was great she was very good with that yeah she really gave her that safe space i spoke to a, a fellow not long ago who told me about a psych you know and he said it felt like they had almost a pre-prepared script so when somebody walked in and 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 went, you know, they sort of checked a few boxes. Yep, you've got this, this, this. Yep, cool. And he goes, it wasn't like he listened to me and then kind of went, oh, this is going on for you. What about we try this and this? It was just like, okay, you've got this. You're going to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And it was like, mate, I know what you've done. <laughs> you know, I need you to listen. I need you to hear me. I need you to respond to what I'm saying, not just have a checklist of uh, here's some, you know, uh, symptoms and signs that you have let's you know this is what you need to do and I went yeah it, it is re-, and I was I always say to people I joke in terms of my mental health I was really lucky I found a 
you know, the first medication I tried worked, the first counsellor I went and saw worked, so I didn't have to go through the whole, you know, trying different medications and all those sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> my guy was great, and he was fantastic, and I, you know, you just, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend to people enough that if you are, as you say, going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and you're not getting what you want out of it, you're not getting what you think you need, go and see someone else. Go and yeah. talk to somebody else. It's just so important, you know, to, to have yeah. that ability to just, you know, get the right person. Yeah. I mean, you think, oh, well, they're, a, you know, they're an expert. They've done all the studies and yeah. they've got all the qualifications, but it's it's hit and miss, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, it, you know, in my business, I, you know, I own my business, so I've got to do sales. But just because I may know what the client needs doesn't mean I don't listen to what they have to say. And you've got so much more chance of converting it to a sale when you let them know, I've understood what you need. I understood where you're going. This is what you told me. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, that's right. And this is what our solution is. They go, great. Yeah, you got it. You just go, yeah, this is what we do for you. And they go, well, but you haven't really taken the time to understand what we want. Mm-hmm. So, so important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned you broke up with your, or you separated with your ex-wife when they, the kids were quite young. Yeah, I look. My experience of being divorced has been it's quite challenging. How was it working with your ex-wife and and kind of managing the the kids? What were going on with the kids with her? Was that a easy process? Tough process? Look, I uh, I think we actually did it quite well, you know. And and due credit to my ex-wife at the time. Um, mm. We we perhaps don't have as good a relationship these days, but um, mm. then you know we we agreed. Firstly, we weren't going to get lawyers involved in the in the um, uh, in the divorce because we didn't want to pay them. We just figured let's just work out a you know we split everything. Um, we sat down with the kids one day and we said, um, okay, so we're going to have two houses now. We're going to have a mummy house and a daddy house. Mm-hmm. And the kids went, okay, what's for dinner? <laughs> um, you know, for them it's like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, mm-hmm. they were four and two and a half. They, that's that's their world. They had no other context of, yeah. you know, what it would be like. It was only at school that they, after, over time, they started to realise that uh, people had their parents living together. Mm-hmm. And I guess they also became more aware of it when they were having to pack and move house each each few days. Because mm-hmm. in the early days, it was kind of like three or four days on, three or four days off. So we weren't away from them from too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always 50-50. Um, and, um, yeah, we... we Went to decent trouble to minimise the impact on the kids. Mm. Um, we figured let's not make it harder for them than it needs to be. Uh, so, you know, and that that meant making us both accessible, attending things together, mm. um, you know, having birthday parties together and that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it went it went quite well. I mean. It's probably less as well these days in terms of, but, you know, I have less need to be in touch with my ex-wife these days because the kids are, you know, got their own phones. They're, you know, if I need to talk to them about something, I just talk to them directly and, and sort it out. But, yeah. you know, there's still stuff we, you know, we deal with, you know, in, in terms of our kids' health and well-being as need be. But, yeah, we tried to um, we tried to make it as, as easy as we could on the kids. So I think, I think we did that quite well. Um, you know, kids grew up with a divorce parents but by the time they got to high school it's like well yeah 50 percent of the parents are divorced it was it was really, really not not that big a deal yeah it um or not not maybe not that many but you know a lot of them and, and or some had remarried by then as well so um you know i i 
I'm not sure how much of an impact that had on, on the kids. I'm sure it did have some. Um, I did hear one of the teachers saying, you know, it takes them like six years. Although I had I had one, one counsellor in primary school. She was talking about Max and she rang me and she was saying, so I'm... I'm just, um, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm worried about the, the situation, you know, the, the constant changing. I said, I'm sorry, what, what do you mean the constant change? Well, you know, the constant changing f- for, for Max. And, you know, this is a Catholic primary school. And I went, no, I don't know. What do you mean? She said, well, you know, having to go to two houses. And I said, well, that's not changing. That's the way it's always been for him. Mm. That's, that's like saying it's constant changing from having to go to home to school every day. Mm. That's that's his routine. It's he, he goes. He's you know spends some time at his mother's house and sometimes my mother at, at mm. my house. So mm. it's that's just the routine. There's there's no change with that. And she was like, oh, <laughs> she was quite confronted by the fact yeah. that you know you could actually have a, a civil, amicable, divorced arrangement that that wasn't you know confronting. I remember talking to a um, a mother. I, I after I divorced, I. Uh, joined a group called Single with Children, which I thought would be great because um, it was for parents who had sing, you know, had kids. They could organise these activities for the kids because you know when you get divorced, you become quite isolated. And I recognised how I needed to be be around other people, and this is great because there was always activities being organised for the kids. So there's always things you could do. Um, and I remember talking to this one mother one day, and she had a, a one year old. And she was telling me how stressful it was for that one-year-old to go and spend, you know, a weekend with his with its father. And I pointed out to her, I said, are you sure it's stressful for the one-year-old or is it stressful for you? Because perhaps um, you might be projecting your stress onto the child. And she went, oh, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it's like the kid doesn't care at that age. They no. don't know what's going on. They're totally fine. But if you're hyper and you're stressed, that's going to affect the child. But if you're relaxed about it and comfortable, the child will be fine with it. So, yeah, so, no, I think, yeah, I, I think the divorce, I actually wrote a, a, an article, a, a post about it um, uh, a few years ago uh, for our, our men's table. We were talking about it. You know, we some of us have gone through divorces and thought maybe we should uh, we should talk about, you know, we should catalogue some of the, the challenges that go with it. But I, I kind of felt I did it well. I was very fortunate to have a mate who who stepped up at the time and was just a, a solid friend and just um, was by my side, just giving me very cool, calm, appropriate advice about think of the long game. Don't go, you know, don't get don't get fired up. Just, mm-hmm. you know, be calm. Find a place nearby so that, you know, it's easy. And he just was, was great. So, yeah, you know, and, you know, we didn't involve lawyers. We got rational about it. We just sorted it all out. We got the financial stuff settled very quickly, so that was off the off the table. We didn't have to worry about that down the track. It wasn't hanging over the heads. Um, I actually had a client who um, was telling me about his divorce, and he and his his wife at the time had agreed on everything that they agreed what the settlement should be. And then about a year later, they still hadn't sorted it, and she came back and said, "No, I want eighty percent now." And he's like, "What?" You know. So yeah. I thought, "No, no, let's just get it get it done and dusted straight away." So. Yeah, and, and once I think the biggest challenge I had separating was finding my own place. Once I found a house that I could live in with the kids, mm. it was a little, little townhouse thing in Ride, um, I went, yeah, I can do this. And that that felt great. And it was, um, yeah, that, that just it just flowed from there. So I ended up staying there for eight years, which was great. 
Yeah, that that was um, for me as well. There was a moment where I was like, so I have a little unit. I had a little unit in um, Campbelltown, and um, it was like that was the first place I'd ever had that was mine. That wasn't somebody else's that I moved into or somebody that I moved into with somebody. It was my spot, and the kids had their room, and and it was just great. Like I just really enjoyed that little space for a period of time, Um, and and it was really a, a. a redefining point in my life, you know, where I sort of felt everything start to sort of shift a little bit for me. So that was, that was pretty, pretty significant. I think that's the most, one of the most important parts of my whole separation process was doing that. Yeah. I mean, for me, separation, it was about finding my smile again. I'd just been, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately in this, uh, just joyless marriage and, Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, um, when I left, I was like, ah, oh, I just felt liberated and free again. And yeah. I had the kids 50% of the time, which for, for me was a break because I was doing like 90% of the work. So it was like, this is easy. I get a, you know, no problem having them. And then I get a week off. So I was, uh, I was loving it. I lo- so, yeah. <laughs> the, the comedian Louis C.K. said, he goes, oh, it's perfect if you think about it. He said, because you've only got to be a good dad for a week. He goes, the other week, you can just lay around filth all week if you want. He said, you just got to get up and be a good dad for that, that seven days, and then you just get to chill out for the other seven. He said, it's a perfect setup, really, when you think about it. Oh, mate, I know. I had friends vicariously living through me when I was talking about the lifestyle I had, because it was, you know, I had this, I had this freedom to be... You know, a parent for a week, and then a you know a single man for a, for a week, and just yeah. you know have a have a social life, and it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know the freedoms that came with that because when you're a parent, 100 percent of the time, you're you know you've you've got all these obligations all the time, mm. and okay, you've got a partner there to support you, but you're kind of still you know always a parent. Whereas, yeah, there's, there's actually quite a lot of upside to being. <laughs> To being separated, it was kind of like, oh, this is cool. I, I can organise, you know, my Friday and Saturday nights and go off and do stuff. It was good. Yeah, I can go away for a few days. I can just, I can go to the movies if I want to go to the movies. It's just, yeah, I can sleep in if I need to. <laughs> All that sort of yes. stuff. It was, it was fun. I'm hearing you. I'm absolutely hearing you. Although we're we're both happily remarried now. Is that the case? That's what we're saying, isn't it? It is. It is. Yes. Yes. Very much. Got it. Got it right this time. So that was good. And because my wife listens to every episode, I'm very happy, darling. Of course. <laughs> Hello, Adam's wife. <laughs> um, couple couple of things before we we wrap up because we're sort of getting into that. We're at about forty minutes, so we're we're doing pretty well. Um, for you as a parent, what? what supports were really important like you sort of touched on a couple of things but what did you do to keep your mental health good through i mean you know i mean now it's a long process and we're talking about 10 12 14 years for the what you've dealt with 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 the kids but what did you do to keep yourself besides having that week off and all the joys that Um, that brought but actually so i i I remember reading something at the time um which said you now, if you know, as a single dad, you're now going to have to step up and do all those things that your wife normally would have done, like sending out Christmas cards and all these. And it just made me realise, okay, there's a whole lot of responsibilities that I've got to step up to do now. So you know, getting involved in the um, in the you know the the parents committee at, at school and all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of support, uh, what I one thing I did was I actually wrote down a list of all the people that helped 
people that could help me with my kids because that was my priority. It was looking after the kids. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, my sister, my mum, my, my mates, you know, certain friends and this. And so I had a list of about, you know, four or five or six friends that I knew I could call upon if I had to get some extra help um, so that I wasn't isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was, I think it was a really good, smart thing to do just to have that clarity about, okay, I don't have to do this on my own. I've, I've actually got people around me who are who are able and willing and, you know, are capable of supporting me. So, you know, you, you need to recognise that and draw upon that. Um, as I mentioned, I've been very fortunate with my family. I have some um, really amazing siblings who were very um, communicative and very supportive. And so I can always talk to them uh, and open up to them. Um, I had this mate who was particularly helpful, who was there for me and uh, happy to, um, you know, just support me and, and look after me. And I think he quite enjoyed uh, uh, hanging out at times when his wife was busy or whatever. We yep. just have a, have a laugh. Um, so, yeah, that, that was that was it. But then also, um, so I, I joined the, the first men's table, MT1, in 2011. Yeah. So uh, one of my brothers was very much uh, into men's work and men's groups, and he he stressed to me the importance of that. And so when Ben stood up at the BNI meeting and said, "Look, I'm going to start a men's table, um, a men's group," I, I yeah, I said, "Yep, yeah, I'm I'm not sure why I need to be part of that, but my brother told me it's a good idea, so yeah, I'm going to jump on board." So uh, that was that was easy, and that was those guys have been great over the decades, you know, just. Um, as I've gone through these challenges with the kids, yeah. um, they've been there for me. That's probably the thing I've consistently spoken about um, over the last 10, 10 and a half years is what's going on with me and the kids. Yeah. Um, so um, they've been, you know, and I've, I've made some very, very good friends from that um, who are, you know, great support. So, um, yeah, but but interesting you say this because I, I've actually just reached out to another psychologist because I was talking to my siblings about this over the holidays about the challenges with uh particularly with with my daughter with her conditions Mm. and they said you know because i was talking about you know that balance of how do i support her the best way and they said you need to get some support from some experts who deal with those conditions who give you a bit more guidance so i'm in the process of doing that now um i've sent an email a couple of weeks ago and i haven't heard back so i'll follow up with somebody else um but yeah i want to uh get somebody who can just you know, perhaps tell me, yeah, do that, don't do that, or whatever it needs to be yeah. along the way. So um, I think that's the next steps. Yeah, and that's a. I think that's actually really underrated um, in the sense of, you know, talk, I don't ever hear anyone talking about. You know, I'm going to go and talk to the psychologist about what's going on for my kids and spend that time to learn about it and to get some of those tips and ideas. I think that's fantastic. That's an incredible. Yeah, for for what my opinion's worth. Um, well, I mean, I think you know, my yeah, as I say, my, my brother in particular, he's got a master's in counselling, and and he's saying, listen, I'm you know, I don't have the answers for you. You need to speak to somebody who who specialises in that that, yeah. that can guide you the right way. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay. Thanks. Next step. Yeah. Thank Thank you for being honest about that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. there's there's yeah. You know, he's he's an amazing man. Um, yeah. Now, before I let you go, last question i like to ask people um what in when you're feeling down when things are getting on top of you what do you go to for looking after your mental health what what do you do that you think absolutely works in terms of looking after your mental health 
Um, yeah, get, getting some fresh air and sunshine, you know, taking the dog for a walk yep. Um, yep. is good. Um, yeah, uh, sleep is important. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite a uh, – I remember reading a Jason Bourne book, you know, Bourne Identity decades ago before yep. it was in the movies, and there's a line in there where it says sleep is a weapon and you kind of, you know, you need to make sure you, you get enough sleep. Yeah. Um, sure. So yeah, I like my naps. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, you know, yeah, just just getting out in the sunshine, getting some walk, getting some exercise is always good. I, uh, yeah, I need to do a bit more exercise than I do at the moment, which is why you know going for a bike ride this morning was a nice, nice sort of, you know, nice start. So uh, I'll do a bit of that more often. That's that's like the um, the mantra for my life. I need to get a bit more exercise than I do. <laughs> In fact, to be perfectly honest, a bit more exercise would be more than, would be would be doing exercise. <laughs> uh, walking's good for you. Yeah, that's what. Oh, well, uh, I loved it when I did it. I thought it was fantastic. So, I, I, and we do it as often as we can. We've, like as I said, we've got our little dog, so she needs to go for a walk. So we uh, we try and get her out there as often as we can to give her a little bit of a trot around the neighbourhood. But um, well, I like uh, listening to the podcast while I walk. So um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I was just—I've listened to your one with Ben and David, and uh, I was just listening to Sh- uh, Steve Sherwood as well. Oh yeah, yeah, he was really fantastic, actually. Yeah, haven't yeah. finished that one yet. Yeah. All right, my friend. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate um, that you've taken the time to speak to me and, and share with oh, me. And pleasure, Adam. Wonderful. You're most welcome. I hope. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope there's something in there that might be helpful for some other parents who are having some challenges with their kids. Thank you, sir. All right, buddy. of our podcast. Uh, Before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favours. Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast and of course please share this podcast. Um, The reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about and of course the sharing helps us to get our message out there. We don't have any money so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message. Uh, equally, if you listen to this podcast, now we do a warning at the start, but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being, please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP, or of course you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636, Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978, Lifeline on 13 11 14, or of course the Kids Helpline on 1800 551800. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O, uh, but at the very least... Please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions and please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's 
one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.